So without you, our limitations are many, our talents are few, but we are so honored today, God, and you know, Lord, that I don't take this for granted or lightly, Lord, and, and I, I pray that you would uh, humble me even more by whatever means necessary. God, that in my humility and in my weakness, you may be made strong and all that may come forth uh, would be so in a way that everyone, Lord, will give you all the glory and honor and praise for you alone are worthy. We do pray, God, that you would anoint us today as a vessel to be used, Lord, and anoint every person here as a vessel to be filled and refilled with the knowledge of the truth, as your word of God tells us, that we may come to the perfect man in your sight. Anoint us by your spirit to receive these deep, profound truths and anoint us then to walk and uh, be doers of the word and not hearers only. And I give you praise in advance for you alone are worthy. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Looking for. Looking for. You know, I couldn't help and I I don't, I'm I'm not going to allow myself uh, to, although I don't think all the time it's a waste of time, I think that, that we are to be citizens. We're commanded in Scripture. And you know this, many of you know this. We're commanded in Scripture that to honor the powers that be. We're commanded in Scripture to pray for those that are over us, over us and, and uh, rules of government. And unless those governmental rules uh, conflict, and sometimes they do conflict very much so in the day and age in which we live in, even in the United States of America, unless those rules conflict with, uh, with uh, the rules of outline of Scripture, we're to follow them. Uh, but... I just could not help but, but look this week at debates, and uh, I declare, I really believe this, I know this sounds crazy, but I believe that, that uh, many of us here today could go and do a better job than any of the candidates on either side that I've seen. Amen? And uh, I look and I, and, I, and I see this, and I see people because everybody's looking for an answer. Everybody's looking for somebody to lead the country. Everybody's looking for somebody that has the answers, the ability, the agenda to put us in the right direction. But can I tell you, my hope is building nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Amen. To echo the words of this great apostle who wrote this to Titus, if we had hope in this life only, we'd be above all men most miserable or pitiable. Amen? Because I'm looking for something different. I'm looking for something that no political party will ever provide me. I'm looking for something that Washington does not have the answer to. I'm looking for something way beyond an economic blessing this side. I'm looking for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. We are told repeatedly in Scripture to look for this place. We're told to live according to this place. We are told from all of the uh, speakers of the new covenant, including Christ himself, that we are not even to lay up for ourselves treasures down here because treasures down here can be corrupted. They can be stolen. They can be taken away. 
But we are called to live our life down here in preparation for the life that is to come. And one of the great epistles that talks about that and one of the greatest lines in the New Testament that I find is what Paul says in this specific passage of the letter he wrote to Titus. Listen, Titus, I'm looking for a blessed hope and the glorious appearing of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're looking for it. How many of you are looking for it today? Well, let me tell you about looking for it. First of all, we look based on faith. We look based on faith. The Bible tells us, and you know these scriptures, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, faith is stepping when there is nothing, but there's something there. By your move of faith, that is what moves the hand of God. Faith is not stepping on something you see or already feel. Faith is stepping on something that you believe in that's not there, that becomes a reality only as you exercise your faith. The Bible tells us how important that faith is. First of all, in Hebrews 11 verse 6, it tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if you don't believe, there's nothing you can do to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Why? For he that comes to God must believe, first of all, that he is. In other words, that God is God. That he is who he said he is. Amen? And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So faith is the substance of things hoped for. Without it, it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe, first of all, that God is. And then he must understand and believe that God sees and God will do what he said he would do and God will reward you for your faith. How many believe that? Amen? And then it tells us, and it goes to the old patriarchs that had faith. Uh, Through faith, we understand. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Amen? So this invisible force of God made the things we see because there's nothing we can see that could have made what we see. Amen? I saw a Facebook tag uh, just the last couple of weeks and I've seen them just like this and I know you've seen them too and it's a profound question. Uh, evolution tries to teach us that, that we came from minuscule uh, atoms that were nothing and that, that somehow through millions of years it proceeded in, in the oceans and grew into plankton and Somehow that transformed and grew into to, to things that were and, and crawled on dry land and, and through process it finally got to our closest kin, which are apes and monkeys. Amen? Now, I know some people that acted like apes and monkeys, but, you know, okay. But here's the thing about it. And then evolution through that, the apes and monkeys became mankind. Well, if everything evolved, then and we came from apes and monkeys, then why are there still apes and monkeys? Amen. There's nothing that we see that can explain what we see. There's nothing that exists that can explain why things exist or what exists. And faith allows us to understand that the things which we see were not made by things which we see, but they were made by higher beings. But without faith, we cannot please them, as we said. We understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. That is faith. So we look based on our faith. 
What I believe allows me to look. I want to remind you that in the New Testament, the word faith comes from the Greek word pistis, which means a confident persuasion. In other words, Paul said, I am persuaded. Now let me tell you something. You can be persuaded if you want to what the, uh, uh, the evolutionists teach. You can be persuaded that, uh, that you came from amoeba or you came from monkeys or you came from some spot of the ocean, but I am persuaded that I'm just good enough and special enough that it took the God of all creation to create my DNA. I just believe that I'm a little bit higher than a monkey. I believe that I'm a little bit greater than some plankton in the ocean somewhere. Call me crazy if you want to, but by faith I'm looking for something because by faith I believe in the one who created me and I believe in the promises that he made. Do you believe that? Say amen. amen. But not only do we look based on faith, we look based on our foundations, what we're built upon. First of all, we look based on the foundations of our forefathers. We look based on what somebody else believed and what they taught us and how they lived and what their life testified about. Hebrews 11 8 says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out not knowing even where he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles, which is a fancy term for tents, with Isaac and Jacob, that son and grandson, the heirs with him of the same promise. Why did he dwell in tents? Because he looked for a city which has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. So we look based on the foundation of those who have went before us. I look based on the foundation of my parents and the foundation of my grandparents and the foundation of some of the greatest people I've ever known, great, great uncles and aunts, great, great patriarchs of the faith, people whose lives testify that there was something greater and beyond where we live now. But not only do I look based on the foundation of my forefathers, I look based on the foundation of the gospel itself. Amen. You see, what we're preaching today and what we're talking about is written in the word of God. And Jesus Christ himself, as you know, said in John chapter 14, verses one through three, that we ought not even let our hearts be troubled in the day and age in which we live in because he goes to prepare a place for us and if he goes to prepare a place for us, he will come back and receive us again that we may be with him forever. Now that's the foundation of the good news. So I'm looking not based on some blind faith. I don't have hope for the sake of hope. I have hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have hope in the truth of God's word. I'm looking based on the foundation that from Genesis to Revelation, it promises of a better day coming. I look based on the foundation of the Lord and Savior himself that when he rose and conquered death, hell, and the grave, said, I can't stay here with you because I got something better than this, than this place for you and I'm going away to build you a place and when I get through, I'm going to come back and receive you. I look based on the faith and the foundation of that gospel message that it only took him six days to create everything I see and he's been gone about 2,000 years preparing something better for me. My God, what a city it's gotta be. I'm looking 
based on the gospel of Jesus Christ. The foundation is what thus saith the word of God. And I'm telling you today, when you talk about heaven, you're not just pulling something out of the sky. You're not just reaching into the left field somewhere and trying to come up with some good idea. You're preaching what the word of God is all about. One day, he's going to wrap this thing up and we're going to be with him forever and ever and ever. And you can't stand on the economy and you can't stand on democracy, but you can stand on the word of God. Nations have risen. Nations have fallen. Kings and queens have ruled and they've been overthrown. But the gospel has never changed and it will not change until the trumpet of God sounds. Oh, glory to God. We look based on the foundation of our forefathers. We look based on the foundation of the gospel itself. And the gospel itself, we're able to look at it because we look based on the foundation of our Savior. Amen. You know, I feel sorry for a lot of the world. I put a tag this week and put it on a post on my page. And it said, heaven is real, hell is hot, Muhammad is dead, Jesus is not. Amen. And I feel sorry for people who base their lives on other men. Who base their lives on teachings of people who themselves did not conquer death, hell, and the grave. But as the old song says, because he lives, an empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. The greatest foundation that allows me to look ahead is the foundation of who my Savior is. 1 Corinthians 3, 10, and 11, according to the grace of God which is given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds their own, but let every man take heed how he builds thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now in perfect context, in this particular passage of scripture, as Paul wrote to Corinth, there was a, a scuffle in the Corinth church. And the scuffle reminds me of where we get bogged down sometimes in local churches. That's what it was, a local church. And the scuffle was people were claiming that they were a little closer to God and uh, knew a little bit more based on who baptized them and who preached to them the gospel. You see, Paul wasn't the only. He was the greatest and the greatest known because of the scripture. But Paul was not the only missionary that was out preaching the word of God. And a man came along at the same time, the same place in Corinth named Apollos. And a lot of people got saved when Apollos was there. So a lot of people claimed akin to Apollos. That's my man. I just don't want to hear what you have to say because you had to listen to Paul. I got saved by Apollos. It was Apollos preaching. It was the revival that Apollos got. It was Apollos' tent revival that got me to God. And others came along and said, no, I don't want to hear about Apollos. I like old Paul. He was my favorite pastor. And Paul came back and said, y'all missing the point. The point is, it don't matter whether Apollos preached it or I preached it. Neither one of us saved you. It was what we preached that saved you and who we preached about that saved you. The foundation is not church of God denomination. 
The foundation is not Baptist or Methodist or Pentecostal or Presbyterian. The foundation is not Pastor Peavy or Pastor Way or Pastor Edenfield. The foundation is Jesus Christ. Yeah. What makes it good is not Ashley Way or Barry Peavy or one of my dear friends that you know is going on to be with the Lord David Edenfield. What makes it powerful is not the person delivering the message. What makes it powerful is not the old building. What made the gospel powerful used to with sawdust floors and pot-bellied stove was not the limited surrounding. What makes it powerful is the truth that Jesus Christ was and is and always will be. The foundation is Jesus and there's nothing else that matters. It don't matter the sign on the door. It matters what content is coming out of the mouth of those that are the oracles of God. And I came to you today not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I came to you preaching the only gospel that there is. His name is not Muhammad. His name is not Buddha. His name is not Allah. His name is Jesus of Nazareth. He alone is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We look based on foundation, based on faith, and we look based on fact. Fact. You see, the world hopes a lot. I, I hear that a lot, and I know you hear that a lot. And if you spend time much witnessing about Jesus, you'll hear that a lot. You'll hear people throw around the word hope. Amen. You'll hear people throw around the, law, the, the, the word think or maybe. Many of you, if, if you've ever spent any time with me going and visiting or running errands, you, you've witnessed this, that I, I always talk to people about their souls. I always talk to people about their souls, very often. Even convenience stores, restaurants, whatever. I don't know of many days at all that go by that I ever get out from the big city of Blackville right here that I go somewhere besides the house and the office here, that I don't ask many people about their relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's very easy to do. I, it bothers me that more people don't do it because it has nothing to do with being an ordained minister. It has something to do with being an excited Christian that believes in heaven and hell and believes that souls are worth it. Amen? And I, I hear this. You know, it's a common thing that people say, hey, how are you doing? Thank God we live in a in a friendly area of the world, amen? How many, of you, how many of you can say that almost every day, whether it's a fellow worker or somebody at the gas station or the grocery store or the restaurant, that, that you get a nod and somebody says, how you doing? How many of you admit that? It happens regularly, okay. Well, here's what I do about 90% of the time. Somebody says, how you doing? I say, fine, how about you, fine? And I stop and I say, but you know why I'm doing good? It's really, huh? You know why I'm doing good? No. I'm doing good because I know Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior. And I'm on my way to heaven. How about you? And this is what I get. I get, well, I hope so. And I think so. And people are basing their eternity on maybe. Amen? Maybe. And then they start to defend, well, I'm a good person. I didn't ask you that. I don't have any doubt you're a good person. Well, I go to church. I didn't ask you that. I, I'm glad you go to church. Well, sometimes I even pray. But are you born 
again. And then a lot of times they look at me and I say, don't you remember what Jesus said? It's real easy, y'all. John chapter 3. Jesus himself said, you must be born again. Are you born again? And then sadly, a lot of times I get, well, no, I'm not. Well, that's telling me deep down you're not on your way to heaven. So when you said, I hope so, you've got some blind ambition that maybe somehow things will work out. But let me tell you something. My hope and my looking for is not based on some blind ambition. I'm based on the fact. The fact. The fact the word of God says in Titus 1 and 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. I'm looking based on the fact that the God of all creation said it. I'm looking based on the fact that he cannot lie. Oh, I feel him right now. I'm looking based on the fact that he cannot lie And he said in Romans chapter 10 that if I confess Jesus with my mouth and believe in my heart, I shall be saved. I look based on the fact that he cannot lie. And he said in John 3, 16, that if I believed in the Son of God, I should have eternal life. I'm looking on the fact that he said he cannot lie and he has not lied and he will not lie. And he said in Romans 10, 13, that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I'm looking not on the fact that I joined the church, not on the fact that I'm an ordained minister, but on the fact that I knelt down and I said, Jesus, I have sinned, Romans 3 and 23, and you alone are the way to eternal life. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your blood. I believe and trust in the finished work of Calvary and I accept you as my Lord and Savior and because of that the fact is that I have a blessed hope and I have a reason to live and I have a reason to look for the future because the fact is that Jesus is Lord and King of all. Amen. I hope and I look based on the fact the fact is there will be a glorious revelation. The Bible says in Titus 2.13, we look for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing. The word translated appearing there really is revelation. It is the Greek word epiphania. It's where we get epiphany from. How many of you know what an epiphany is? Anybody? An epiphany basically is whenever you're bogged down, you're trying to figure something out, and you can't understand, all of a sudden that little light bulb that goes off, you see it in cartoons. Amen? You see it in cartoons of Wiley Cody chasing the roadrunner. How many of you remember that? Trying to think of a way to get, and all of a sudden it'd show a light above his head. He had an idea. He had a revelation. He had an epiphany. Well, that's what the word of God says. It literally means a manifestation. And speaking in biblical terms, it means the advent of Christ or the appearing or the brightness. In other words, listen to me now. We think we know him 
And we do know him, but we don't know all about him. Come on now. Amen. Let me give you an example of, of a story that you can understand. Sister Beth and I, as many of you know, believe it or not, met on Christian Mingle. I wanted a Christian. I put on there I was a minister of the gospel. She can tell you this, my profile said, I'm a victim of an unwanted divorce by an unfaithful spouse. <laughs> but I serve Jesus and I preach the gospel and I ain't changing for nobody. Amen. May as well go ahead and get that out of there. Amen. Well, I met her and I saw her picture. I like what I saw. Daddy like it. So I sent her a shout out, you know how you do? She responded back with a wink or two. You know what I'm saying? She believed the hype. Huh? Oh my goodness. Well, she's blushing. She don't blush that much. She's blushing. So then I started emailing her. You know, what's your story? Where you live, et cetera, et cetera. We email back. Then we talked on the phone. Okay. Well, I got to know her a little bit, but I was limited. Until I met her for our first date. And the first lunch date that started at 12 noon ended after midnight. Daddy really liked it. <laughs> but the point I'm making is I had talked to her, but it was altogether different when I saw her. Well, see, the Bible tells us that eye has not seen, ear has not heard. As much as you love Jesus, as long as you serve, neither has it entered to the heart of man the things that the Lord has prepared for those that love him. He's revealed unto us by spirit, but that's still different than going and seeing and experiencing. And see, sometimes, listen to me now, sometimes we have a limited revelation because when we think of him, we think of a baby in a manger. Or when we think of him, we think of him as a suffering savior. Or we think of him, we think of him as a teacher teaching on the hills of Galilee. Or as a loving savior reaching out and touching the leper. But the Bible says one day we're looking for a glorious revealing of who he really is. I want to ask you something today. Do you want to see him? Yeah. Let me tell you, far contrary to the suffering Savior or the baby in the manger, let me tell you what Revelation says that we'll see him as. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, behold, he comes with clouds. And every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall well because of him. Even so, let it be so. Amen. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about with a paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were a flame of fire. And his feet likened to fine brass as if they burned in the furnace. 
and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun that shines in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that lives and was dead. My dear And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. Revelations 5. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sits upon the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Can I tell you, one day we shall see him as he is. One day I'm going to, hey, I'm going to behold him in all of his glory. He's not going to be nailed to a cross. He's not going to be led by the soldiers up a hill to be crucified but he's going to rule and to reign forever and ever his brightness will shine as the sun and all creatures that have ever been will kneel down and worship him thank God for the blessed hope that he's about to come and show us who he is would you stand today God willing, tonight I'll finish on blessed hope. Because that blessed hope is different than you think it is. It's something that's been planted by God. It is the climax to today's message. It goes beyond the hearing of the words of the preacher. It goes beyond the singing of the choir. It goes beyond the bedtime stories of Nana and Papa. It goes beyond, beyond a post on the internet. It's an ordained reality sent from God. It is a seed that has been planted by the very spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. We'll get into that tonight. And it's growing inside you. Amen. It's kind of like, it's kind of like trials are kind of like the changing of the seasons on your flower bed. Right now, if you look with your eyes, you don't see a lot because the freezing temperatures, the changing of the seasons has caused that seed or that plant to lay dormant. But the seasons will change again. And that same plant that looks lifeless right now will bloom and blossom and produce fruit again. With problems in this world, 
and the trials that we go through sometimes knock off the beauty on the outward appearance of serving God. But even in the midst of it, you know as well as I do that there's still a seed that's churning on the inside. It's kind of like Jeremiah said it this way. He had a tough task. Jeremiah's generation was much like our own. Amen. The people had rebelled against God and didn't want to come into repentance. And when Jeremiah looked on the outward appearance of things, he wanted to quit. And he said, if it were up to me and my own strength, I would have quit. But there was fire shut up my bones and it had to come out. Well, can I tell you, that's what's going on the inside of us today. The Bible tells us in this generation, people will scoff and say, where's the promise of his appearing? Things will be going on like they always have, you know. Marrying, giving in marriage, wickedness everywhere, on and on and on. No thought, no process about God. And if we look at it, we could be full of despair. But yet on the inside, we have a blessed hope. Something churning. That I cannot but help to believe in the God of my salvation. So today, I'm not asking you to sell out to a denomination or some fancy speech, but to sell out to the foundation of who Jesus is. Look at your own life. You shouldn't be here right now. The disease should have got you. The drug should have got you. The failure should have got you. The relationship should have got you. But you're still here. And you're still here because God is faithful. And that same faithful God wants you to turn your whole life over to Him. So He can make something beautiful in you. And you'll be ready when, not if, but when the trumpet of God sounds. Behold, my coming is near, even at the door. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light, says the Lord. Would you lift your hands and worship him? Some of you came in here today as the song says, bow down under the yoke of care. God wants to ease your burden today. But you've got to surrender to Him. I'm going to do this altar call just a little bit different. If I could get saved for you, I would. If I could profess Him for you, I would.
But as much as He loves you, He said, whosoever will, let Him come. He's calling you right now and you know it. Simply put, according to Scripture, according to Scripture, when we are a child of God, He sends forth His Spirit to cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit. So simply put, that means if you're really saved, there's no doubt that you're saved. If you're really saved, not by works of righteousness, which you have done, but according to the Scripture, the Spirit of the Lord is inside you, bearing witness that you are ready to meet God right now. And if there's any doubt right now that if you died right now, you'd wake up in the presence of God instead of in eternal damnation, that means that you're not ready to meet God. Simply put, it means you're lost. And if you died right now, despite all that God's done, you'd go to hell. Not because He wants you to, but because you've disregarded the Spirit of grace. That's a tragic reality, but it is a reality nonetheless. The reality is there's only one name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. Jesus loves you. If you're not ready to meet God, you don't have the promise of tomorrow. I don't often share this story, but I just feel the leading of the Holy Spirit to remind you of what I've seen with my own eyes. I was in a revival service about the year 2000 in Douglas, Georgia. I was a pastor of a church, a woman I'd been witnessing to. Her mama was a member and came by the name of Nancy. Was at a church service that night. The evangelist happened to be Calvin Anderson, which many of you know. The altar call was given. Nancy came. She knelt down right here. By the grace of God, the privilege that God gave me, I was able to lead her to accept Jesus as her Savior. Less than five minutes later, she got up and was standing at the back, worshiping God, tears still streaming down her face. She went down the hallway to the restroom. One minute later, somebody ran up behind the stage, grabbed me, a woman who was nursing a child, and said, Pastor, please come. Nancy was throwing up blood and water in the bathroom. I ran and broke in. She was begging for help. I had a doctor, Dr. Jeff Severa, from Douglas, Georgia, in service that night. We came. Immediately we called 911. By the time the ambulance took her out of the building, she was dead. She literally went from being saved to being unconscious on her way into eternity in seven minutes. She literally went from being saved at the altar, dying in 15 minutes. She was only 43 years old. That's a true story. The point is this. I fought many times. What if Nancy had not come that night? What if she had stayed there in the back under conviction like some of you are today and went out in the restroom and died? I know Nancy's in heaven now, but if she had not been, she'd be in hell. There's only one name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. I want every Christian praying. If you entered this building not ready to meet God and you're willing today to do an easy task for us, turn for your sin, confess Him that He is Lord and Savior, believe on Him and accept Him. That's all you got to do. You entered in here not saved, but you want to leave here saved knowing where you're going to spend eternity. 
I want you to come right now and let me lead you. Come on. All you got to lose is an eternity of damnation. What you got to gain is peace that passes all understanding, joy unspeakable and full of glory, and your name written in the land's book of life. I want every Christian praying. There's some lost people here today. Come on right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Please come and let me lead you. Let me teach you. Let me help pray with you so you can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Would you come, every Christian praying? Sister Beth, would you go there? Now you won't be the first one, so come on. Come on. Come on. Every Christian praying. Come on. Come on and give your heart to Jesus. Come on and give your heart to Jesus. I could go to you, but I'm not going to do that. I want you to come of your own free will. That's what God wants. He loves you just like you are, but He won't leave you that way. He's going to take your broken life and make something great out of you. Your marriage will be better. Your home will be better. Your relationships will be better. Your mindset will be better. If you'll just surrender to Jesus.
somebody give him a hand clap of praise. Amen. Everybody that could, would you come this way? Everybody that could, and let's worship God and sing that together. We'll close it this way. When you come, just hold somebody's hand, put your arm around their neck. Let's look a fellowship that exists only in spirit-filled believers. Overwhelm us and overtake us today. Amen. Isn't it great to know God? And isn't it great to know that you're part of the family of God? Look around you. You're not the only one. Amen. Don't ever feel alone. Don't ever let the devil tell you that nobody else loves you or nobody else loves God. Aren't you glad we know Jesus? Come on, bless him today. Amen. Sing it again. dismiss, I want you to bow your heads one more time. If you're up here today and you made sure things are right between you and God, you accept the Lord or reaffirm Him as a Savior, just lift your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just lift your hand. If you accepted Jesus today, all praise God. We ought to thank God. There's about four hands already went up. Amen. Amen. Now, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm not going to go to you right now, I'm not going to embarrass you, but if you're already up here, you're standing, and you say, Pastor, I didn't come yet, be honest with you, I'm not ready to meet God. And I just want you to pray for me. I want you to remember me in prayer. I want you to lift your hands. If you know, don't know that you know Jesus, if you're here, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to go to you right now. I'm not going to mess with you. Amen. Thank you. Now, you've already raised your hand. Why don't you do something about it right now? I'm not going to go to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. But while your head's bowed, I'm giving you an opportunity. I want you to come 
kneel down and make things right with God. It'd be a tragedy as great as this service is and as wonderful as it is to know that people accepted Jesus. The Word of God says it's His will that none should perish. If you walk out of here lost, it's not going to be because God wants you to. He don't want anybody to die lost. But He doesn't force His will upon us. It's His will that everybody gets saved. While we're playing, please, I ask you to come. If you hadn't already made things right with God, and some of you have admitted, some of you hadn't admitted in you, deep down in your heart you know, but you were embarrassed to raise your hand, that's okay. I'm not your judge. But whether you raise your hand, and some of you did raise your hand, you said, once again, Pastor, I'm lost. I appreciate your honesty. But I don't want you to leave here lost. Just a few more seconds, would you come? Lord, I thank you because one of your defining traits is your mercy. Your mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. Lord, it was your mercy that saved all of us, your grace, your love. I pray that your mercy would continue to go with us as we go our separate ways. I pray your mercy would continue to extend upon those that did not take advantage of the opportunity today to make you their Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord, that they chose and everyone, sinner and saint, chose to come out today to worship you. I give you praise, honor, and glory. Lord, bring us back this afternoon. Give us a desire to come back to the house of God. I know that it's busy. I know that life is difficult, but if at all possible, as much word as we get in us, Lord, the better we are. We cannot, Lord, overdose on your word. We cannot overdose on our fellowship of believers. We cannot overdose on praise and worship. And it just may be what puts us over the edge to help us make it through this week of living in this fallen world. Help us to be witnesses of you. And bring us back together again, again. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. I love you. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, and let them know you're glad to see him.